1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10
0: for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Welcome back. This is Jamie D and Big Newt. Jamie D'Amico coming at you here. My tag team partner is Big Chris Newton, and we are lucky to have the big man with us. How are ya? What up though? That's right. (laughs) Everything's good, man. How you been? Oh, you know, I'm pretty good. Since we spoke last, some things have changed. I've gotten a haircut. I got my COVID vaccine. I actually went and visited my folks in Rochester, New York. And for you Rochesterians, we had dinner at Agatina's. And Big Newt, you love this place. This is like your traditional Italian garlicky red sauce kind of place on, on the west side of Rochester in an Italian part of town. It is... God, how do I even put this? It's an institution in the city of Rochester. You're oh, nice. so damn good. Nice.
0: All right, let me ask you a question: Is this your first time, like, really being out and about because you got vaccinated? Like, how did that feel being out to eat after being, you know, basically secluded for the last year?
1: Um, it it was weird to be honest with you because my wife and I have been really, really careful, and we haven't done. Any holidays with our family, we've been staying inside, and I felt like oddly insecure being out. It, it felt like it was felt like it was brand new. like I was taking the training wheels off. It, it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, I think. Mm-hmm. I want to let people know we are here, as a matter of fact, to talk about the Buffalo Bills, and we are going to talk Buffalo Bill's draft strategy not specific players, but what could the team do, what will the team do, and what do we want them to do from a strategic perspective?
0: And, and I know I know a lot of people wait for us to get to the Bills talk, but we, I had to say this real quick. We were talking in our production meeting uh, before we got on, and it's like we were talking about not only just light, but we were talking about Bodays. And I was explaining oh. to you how crucial this is in life. you got to get a bidet in your life.
1: I am currently checking out Consumer Reports for reviews on bidets because nothing is too good for my derriere. And they say cleanliness is godliness. That is correct. So why do you like yours so much?
0: When we went to Europe... Okay. Yep, <laughs> we went to Europe, man, and they had the boudet there. And I, I think I don't know if we talked about this story before, but uh, you know they have two different bowls. You have your toilet bowl, and then you have the boudet. So it's two of them. Yeah. And uh, we went over there with a uh, Georgetown ladies basketball team. And the players thought, you know, they're young, you know, they're young students and stuff. And they was like, is that a bathtub for the, or is that a toilet for the baby? Cause it's like a little bitty one. <laughs> it was like, no, that's a bode. And so that's why when we moved here, that's my, what I got as a, uh, a gift, you know, like getting a new home is uh, we got a Bode for the toilet and you can get them on Amazon. They're, I mean, we got like a little cheap one. It wasn't that much, but it's a necessity, man. I mean, you when you don't use it, you feel like something's wrong. I mean, it's it's an integral part of your life. Like everyone comes in our bathroom and uses it like, yeah, you got to
1: have. it. So I plan on going high end with mine because I've been I've been checking them out lately I went to to the point where I had an electrical outlet installed near my toilet because I plan on getting one that's powered, that's heated, that has a light on it. Like I am going to pull out all the stops because, like I said, nothing's too good for my ass. And (laughs) these are not cheap. Like the ones that have all the bells and whistles on them, they're expensive, but don't I deserve it? Do I not deserve to treat my backside really well?
0: Hey, man, you got to go high end, man. Go big or go
1: home. I feel you. (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, the prelude to this topic caused my wife to say, see, you and Big Newt have something in common other than just your love for the Buffalo Bills. Exactly. (laughs) And I don't know exactly what she was referencing but i got a pretty good idea she she (laughs) is probably talking about bathroom humor in general Mm -hmm. and i do have a strong affinity for that because i'm a i'm an overgrown child i'm glad you brought that up but we are way into the show at this point so we are overdue to get onto the topic at hand which is the buffalo bills our apologies But we need to talk about draft strategy. The Buffalo Bills are drafting number 30. And people get very hung up on that first round pick. But they have seven rounds in this draft. And there's a lot of things that you can look at and you can do. And it's not just about this year. When you're roster building, you have to think two, three years down the road. So who they pick this season or this draft is not necessarily for this season. And that's something to think about. So let's start with the top of the draft. There are certain positions that the Buffalo Bills have more weaknesses than others. What do you think those positions are in your fine opinion, big newt? Well, we talked about this
0: situation, man, we need I feel like if you look at the pecking order, I would say – and I'm I'm preferring this by saying I think we should go cornerback one because I feel like at number 30 we could get a starting cornerback, okay? Yeah. So I would say cornerback one. I would say tight is a need, but there's not going to be anyone there at 30 that's probably worth that pick, right? But you could probably get a starting level what? Running back. So I'll probably put running back two. And uh, tight end three. And then you could go edge rusher probably before tight end. Let me change that. I'm sorry. Edge rusher, okay, at three, and then tight end at four.
1: So you're putting edge rusher behind running back.
0: That's only because if ATN is on the board, that's more the philosophy of best player available. And I feel like mm. ATN or Harris uh, uh, from Alabama – Those players are probably rated higher than who you would get an edge rusher at that spot, in
1: my opinion. Now, every GM this time of year talks about trying to take the best player available, but they almost never seem to do it. What do we consider the best player available philosophy? What what do you think Bean is going to do in regard to that? Because obviously, value of the selection and and need of the position are different things, but they have to all play into it. If the best player on their board is a quarterback at number 30, is there any chance that they're going to select that guy? No, absolutely no. not. No. So what do you think they mean when they say best player available?
0: I think – well, I think from what we see from Brandon Bean, he does pick and, – and I think a lot of GMs pick best player available because – a lot of times, you look at mail because and, and this. Let me say this real quick. And I, because we kind of went on along talk about the bodes and everything. I wanted to give a little soliloquy about this year's draft. Really, I have to apologize to our listeners, and I'm apologizing because really, this is probably the least that not only you and I have talked about the draft, but probably the least amount of draft coverage I've watched in our probably about 25 years and I was talking to my wife about that and I'm like now nah, I'm getting paid to do a podcast and to be honest with you I haven't really been keeping track with it as much as I usually do not saying that I'm not preparing for the show but in years past I would wake up watch the NFL Network from morning to dark read all the content and everything but I don't feel bad about it you know why is directly because we had a great season. Do you know what I'm hmm. saying? See, before, think about, you. just think about our relationship Since I've known you, around draft time, you and I will be texting each other every day, talking about the rumors. We'll be talking about what's going on. You know why? Because the draft was always our Christmas. After a bad season, that's all you got to look forward to. And I'm going through that with the Wizards right now. I'm a Wizards fan. And I'm just at this point, I'm just looking forward to the draft. Yeah, I still watch the games, but do I really talk about it? No, I might talk about Russell Westbrook, Bradley Bill had 50 points, but we're losing. We're not going to the playoffs. So now I'm just like, okay, where are we going? What about the ping pong balls? What who are we gonna draft? Who gonna be there in the lottery? And it's like now I'm still talking about the season. And like I'm yep. still excited about going 13 to 3. So it's like Going back to the original question, I know I'm going long-winded on the subject, but but the question was, okay, do you draft a need When you're drafting at 30 and you're going to the AFC Championship, what is really your need? Think about the Kansas City Chiefs last year. They picked a running back. They added weapons with their uh, number 32 pick, I guess, of the draft. They picked a the kid out of LSU. I just look at it like once you're in the AFC Championship, I'm not saying we don't have needs. We got plenty of needs, but... Remember, three four years ago, it's like whoever we drafted in the first round, I want them to be a starter. You know, remember how we used to always say that, like absolutely. And it's like now, like you said, you said it five minutes ago. I'm not expecting anybody we draft to be a starter. I just want to get. You're right. We just got to fill in the roster, so we might get a center. Let's say we get a center in the second round. We don't expect him to start this year, but maybe he's taking the place of Mitch Morris after his contract is up. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we get an edge rusher, and he play like Epinesa played. He's just going to play a reserve role, and hopefully he's an heir apparent to Jerry Hughes. So only thing I can really see a starting level at number 30, who would be a starting level person is who we pick in corner because this draft is deep in cornerbacks. All right? So I can see us getting a starting level corner, but
1: that's about it. Here's the thing. You do not need to apologize for not knowing the draft through and through. Because like you said, in past years, we were talking draft before the season was over. Yep. Not the case this year. And the other thing is, there are people out there that know so much about college players and the draft, and we have them right here at Buffalo Rumblings. You've got guys like Dan LaVoy talking about it, and you have analysis from Bruce Nolan and from Anthony Marino and scarecrow and everybody else that knows players and they're looking at the tape right now and they can give you more than we can because it's what they do particularly well but we're talking the strategy we're getting in the head of we're getting in the head of Brandon Bean we're getting in the head of Sean McDermott and the rest of the front office and we're trying to see Where is it that they have to go? And it was mentioned earlier, as I said, that they're looking forward to future years, just like you said, regarding drafting uh, potentially a center. And the thing about that is the Bills roster as it stands right now doesn't seem to have the kind of depth where if they lose somebody to free agency that there's a backup on the roster who's ready to step into a starting role as a quality player. The Baltimore Ravens do that year after year. They don't sign their free agents. They value getting compensation picks. They promote from within, and that's what the Bills had said that they had wanted to do, but it takes a long time to get to that point. The Buffalo Bills roster has been filled out with a whole bunch of depth with low-end free agent signings like we said they were going to do. And why are they doing that? Well, it could be for a couple of different reasons. It could be because they're trying to just create as much quality as possible. And they're trying to draft players for depth that will develop into starters. I'm sure that's why they brought in Epinesa, even though they had two defensive ends three defensive ends that were starters this past season. But here's the question. Is one of the reasons that the Bills are adding so much so much depth, so many players that they don't expect to start because they plan on packaging their draft picks to move up and try to hit a home run by trading up in round one?
0: And now that leads to the first question we're going to ask. A lot of people are talking about Buffalo staying pat, moving up or moving down. All right, I think I have a unique perspective. I want to hear it. I want to move up. A lot of the pundits are saying they want to move down to collect picks because I believe we only have like seven picks this year. That's uh, correct. Yeah, because we don't have a fourth – I know we don't have a fourth-round pick, but I think we got multiple two fifth, Maybe fifth-round picks, exactly. So we got seven picks, but no fourth-rounder. And it's like if you move down, a lot of people will say, oh, we're going to move from 30 to like 38 or like 40 and pick up another fourth round. I would rather move up because, once again, we're – if we could get a guy – like if we could get one of the premier edge rushers, all right, if we could move up somehow and get that – I would value that a guy who we know is going to hit or have a better chance of knowing he, because nothing is a guarantee um, knowing that this guy is going to hit. I would rather sacrifice later round picks. All right. To get that guy versus having eight, nine rookies when you know, these guys might not even make our team. So I know you never, you never liked our depth. I get it. All right. I, I understand what you're saying. But I would rather have a – if we could get our hands on an impact guy in the draft or somebody who was going to come in and start at a position to me, I would have no problem with moving up. I would love to move up to get the Pitts guy from uh, from Florida, all right, the tight end. Oh, yeah. But he's not he's, – he's obviously going to be going in the top five picks. But I would love him. I mean, they're talking about off the top. Off the rip, this guy's going to be an all-pro Hall of Fame-type talent. They're saying that he's the best in the draft. But obviously, he's not going to go number one because the top three or four picks will be quarterbacks, okay? But if you could get somebody who you know is going to start, I have no problem with trading away picks.
1: Trading away picks is its a scary proposition because the more picks you have, the more margin of error you've got. Now, you have to be extremely confident in the player that you're selecting that they're going to be a difference maker. Now, according to an article that was on buffalorumblings.com last week, I think it was, it showed that according to the trade value charts, that if Buffalo trades away their first three selections, the first, second, and third round pick, as well as their sixth round pick, so that's four of their seven picks, they could move up to the 14th spot. Can you get a player at 14 that is going, that is going to be a big enough difference maker that you can roll the dice on losing that many picks? Now, let me preface it by saying this. An analysis that was done of NFL rosters is there's a specific cutoff. Most of the best players in the NFL were taken in the first 18 selections. Something to chew on when you answer this. Now, when I said I wanted to move up, I didn't
0: say I wanted to give up my first, second, third, and fifth pick. When I say move up, I'm talking about moving maybe from 30 to 25 maybe up to 20, getting in the okay. top 14. I don't know if I want to make that kind of leap. And if you do, like you said, now the other side of the coin is like you said, you better know that that guy is going to hit, you know? And it's like I just keep thinking back, and once again, I always make New Orleans Saints ref- references because I lived there for a number of years and had ties to it. I remember when Ricky Williams came to, uh, came to New Orleans. <laughs> they traded <laughs> – Mike Dicker traded away a whole draft for a running back. And I was just like, even when that happened, I knew that that was not going to be worth it. Like he would have to be best running back, even if he was like best running back all time good, to give away a whole draft for a running back. I just Mm -hmm. didn't see it. And he and Ricky turned out to have a couple of Pro Bowl years. He was a good player, but to give away a whole draft for him, no way. Um so to give up to answer your question, to give up a first, second, third, and a fifth. Sixth. All right, a sixth. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying do all that. I'm not I don't unless it's unless it's uh, like I said, it would have to be like Pittsfield. somebody who like is a can't miss. It would have to be like somebody like him falling and you
1: go get him. And I just no, I don't no, I don't see that happen. And, you know, the Falcons did that to get Julio Jones, who has turned out to be an absolutely unbelievable player year after year. He's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. Right. But it didn't necessarily make them a better team for the long haul. He's been a great player, of course, but, you know, they they have been up and down. Position players, if you're going to give up that much, it has to be for a franchise quarterback. Exactly. That's exactly. That's what it comes down to.
0: Right, and and that's what San Francisco's going through right now. Everyone's talking about how they moved up in the draft, and it's like, okay, do they take Pitts or take a quarterback? And it's kind of like, okay, you can't give up all those assets to move up to take a tight end, you know. And no. and think about it is you have uh, George Kittle, you already got a, a Pro Bowl type tight end, you know. Right. So I, yeah, if you move up, you kind of gotta take a quarterback because that's the only thing is worth all the assets you gave up. So, no, nah, I mean, to reiterate again, I don't I don't see Brandon Bean doing that. I mean, well, you asked me what would Newt do, what would Big Newt yeah. do versus what Brandon Bean. Knowing Brandon Bean, he's probably
1: going to move back. Really? Because he's never done that. Mm-hmm. He's only moved up. hmm I
0: don't, I feel like yeah well I feel like what he's thinking at this point is collect more like to build the depth, and uh, and and he probably thinking that there's no one that's going to probably be at thirty. To where you really want that won't be there at maybe thirty eight or thirty nine. That's why I would say that. But you are right. He has not been known to move back in the draft, but this year maybe even the first.
1: It it might be you know what I could see him doing moving back eight to twelve spots. And then deciding, oh no, the player we want might get selected, and then moving up six spots from move there. Back up, right. Yeah, right? I could totally see them doing that. Right now, exactly. I would like to see them move back. If for no other reason, than this they need to start bringing in some lower-priced backups on the roster, especially for this season, because cap room carries over. So whatever they have left over this year is going to roll over to next year. And next year may have a suppressed salary cap as well. But any any space you can have left over is a plus for the following season. Right. I would like to, if it can happen, I would like to see four to six of the veterans on their roster, even those making the vet minimum, I would like to see them lose their jobs to rookies that are of an equal skill level, who make a few hundred thousand dollars less, because that that adds up when you have such a tight cap like the Bills do this here. I can see that you want cheap labor. I get it. I yeah, I get it. It's how trickle down economics works. I, I need cheap labor.
0: I understand. And that, and then that, so that's what's going to make probably for an unfun draft. And that goes back to what we said earlier. I think this draft of 2021 is not going to be that fun. Why? You know? Because I think it's going to be for that reason. It's going to be to get backups. It probably won't be anything that's going to directly uh, affect 2021. It's going to be, like you said, years to come. And so if you get a bunch of guys that's going to be backups, that's not going to be exciting. But once again, that's that's the uh, other side of the coin of being a successful franchise, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's, it, I just think it's going to be something we haven't felt in a long, long time with this draft. You know, if we move back, pick up picks, and we get a backup guard, and we get a backup uh uh, three technique and to take Vernon Butters, like, then you're going to be like, oh, okay, it ain't going to really affect this season, you know, just like Ebenezer didn't really affect this season as a second mm-hmm. round pick, you know? So, Unless we move up, if we move up, it'll make it for an exciting day. If we move back, it's going to be kind of monotonous, but that's fine. I'm I'm cool with that because instead of watching the draft, I can just turn on the NFL Network and watch one of the Bills' classic games <laughs> in this past season, something also we're not used to. Right,
1: right. Um, So really there's only three places on the roster I can see where the Bills could come out with uh, a starter. And that's cornerback, like you said. And I am convinced that that's what the Bills are going to use their first selection on. I'm beyond convinced that they're going to go corner. But the other two spots are interior offensive line, basically guard. Yes. Or defensive end. Those are the places where I could foresee them finding a starter this season. And even defensive end, I don't think they would start the season as the starter, because I think they would hand that to Mario Addison, no, no matter what, just for political reasons. Right. Right. But, but that's it. And, you know, I, I'm no expert on personnel, but everything I'm hearing about the defensive ends that are available is they all have question marks. They all are athletic, but underachievers have, injury history, don't have don't have prototypical measurables. It's you know, it doesn't sound like there's a surefire defensive end prospect that's going to be available at 30, whereas corner is so deep that players are going to be taken in the second round that are going to start on day one. And I can
0: see that. That's what we talked about earlier. Cornerback is uh deep in his draft. So I mean, you're right. I think Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes are going to start week one opening day regardless of who we pick. And so I see that. Um, And also, we could – well, it'll be a backup role, but, you know, uh, we could use backup safety help also maybe. That's a little Mm -hmm. bit down the line. Um, But, yeah, I I would do corner. I would look at corner as the best bet.
1: Did I mention running back? Not yet. Okay. Because as I think about it, that could be a position where the Bills end up with a starter this year if they were to draft someone. And I don't think they're going to before, you know, the fifth round. But there's been a lot of talk about Travis Etienne. Yeah. And he's a game breaker. And if they did go that route, he could probably end up starting
0: my only problem with that the only downside i i i think he's worthy of the number uh 30 pick being a first round pick my only trepidation with that is then brandon bean would be admitting he missed on the previous third round picks right and i think sometimes you got to take that into account you know, it's kind of like what the Jets are going through. You know, they gave that you see the last couple well since our last recording, Sam Darnold moved on, and now it's almost a sure thing that they're gonna go quarterback uh with their top pick. So if you have a GM that makes that decision, you're basically admitting that you were wrong on your previous pick. And I and I just and and Brandon Bean probably With the season we had and the roster he's built, that might be okay, but usually GMs won't really do that.
1: Well, you know, it's not just their hesitancy to admit that they've made a mistake, which you know, they have egos and they want to be right. Of course they do. But it's also an issue of allocation of resources. Is it a good allocation of resources to keep using draft picks, high draft picks on the same position year after year after year. And the answer to that is maybe, but probably not. Because what you end up doing there is adding more and more money into one position. First round draft picks cost more than second round draft picks, which cost more than third all in all the way down. Right. So, do you want to keep adding higher salaries to one position group, or do you need to spread that around in order to have better roster flexibility and balance? And I think that comes into that comes into play.
0: So, what are you telling me? You don't want to be the Detroit Lions when they took
1: four wide receivers four straight <laughs>
0: years in like the first round. You telling me you don't want to be that?
1: That's exactly what I do not want. <laughs> or if you go back to like the nineteen eighties, early nineties, the Seattle Seahawks drafted a quarterback seemingly every year. Kelly Stauffer and Dan McGuire and guys who ended up being terrible, but Rick, they were first rounders. Rick Meyer probably was in there from Notre Dame. Yes, he was.
0: Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Second remember, overall
1: pick, right? I
0: remember those days. Oh yeah. You know, I follow the Notre Dame. I try to follow the Notre Dame guy. Yeah, I mean, and and I think when you watch the draft, and we're going to talk about this more as we talk about the draft weeks to come and then what actually happens with the review. But uh, it's hard when you watch the draft and then ESPN, Mel Kuyper, McShay tell you who's best available, and you're like, man, it's a tight end there. We need a tight end. And it's like, oh, we go D-tackle. You know, and then you ask Brandon being after it. He was like, well, the grade was, you know, high. And, you know, they're going to make it sound like every pick was like, oh, yeah, I can't believe it. Every but every team does that from the best team in the league to the worst team in the league. They're going to make it sound like we won. Oh, this is exactly how I feel. No, you don't really feel like that. But you're going to paint that picture on TV. And so when we're watching it and we see the pundits say, pick this guy, and you don't, and then you see if you're not a playoff team, and then Mel Kuyper gives you that C or C-minus or D, and he say, oh, that's why Team X is Team X, because they don't drive
1: well, that doesn't make you feel good at all. No, you don't feel good, and you lose sight of the fact that Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, and the rest of them are actually not very good at their jobs. They're good at talking about prospects, but when it comes to projecting them, they, I I think they probably have a lower batting average than most of the GMs in the league. W- would you say? Yes,
0: and I'm gonna tell you what, and I and why went through this experience once again to tell you a story that was something I lived. Like I always talk about my uh, my high school teammate Joe Johnson went number 13 in the 1993 draft. All right, as a uh, red shirt junior out of the University of Louisville. And I know I this is a Buffalo Bills podcast, but I'm talking about stuff that I know that I lived through. Mm-hmm. And so none of the Mel Kuiper, none of those guys back then had him going in the first round. And so he would call me and I was like, hey, man, what what's going on, man? This is what I'm hearing. And he's like, Newt. Hey, man, because I'll be like, man, my friends bet me because I'm telling them, yeah, you know, you was defensive player of the year in the country with Trev Albers and all from Nebraska. And uh, my friends telling me you ain't going first round. He was like, Newt, bet any of your friends, whatever you want to bet, I'm going to be in the top 15 picks. And if I'm not, I'll cover all your bets. And I said, <laughs> and I said, say less. And sure enough, he went number 13 overall. So I'm just giving you real life. I don't want to sound like I'm blowing my horn or I know this, but I'm just telling you. No, it doesn't sound like that at all. I'm telling you real life conversations that I have with people that, yeah, like Mel Kuiper and them didn't even have him on there. He went number 13. So it's a lot of stuff we don't know. You know, is once again, you turn on the average person is going to turn on the TV, and we're going to get the content that's given. But we're not inside the driver. We don't know the draft grades. We will never know the draft grades because they're not going to tell us. You know what I'm saying? Once again, they're going to paint the picture like, oh, it fell exactly, exactly the way we wanted to fall. And then you wonder why people move up and people talk. So if they, somebody moves up, it has to be for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So people talk. People know who what who wants who, and if we don't move up, then this guy's going to be gone. So you just got to take you just and I and I trust bringing for the most part. So you just got to take it at face value that these people know what they're doing. Now, do they miss on some? Yeah, they miss. EJ Manuel's a miss, and that probably uh, sealed the fate of um oh Doug Whaley, Doug Whaley, Doug Whaley. That probably sealed his fate. I had his face in my mind, but um, Doug Whaley, that probably sealed his fate because you can't miss on a quarterback, although they didn't give him much time. I mean, they barely gave him a year, but usually when you go quarterback, you got to give this guy time to develop, and they didn't give Sam Darnold. Like I said, I like Sam Darnold. I like his talent, but when you go to a bad situation, a bad organization, then this is what happens. You know, you keep getting recycled and recycled. And my, I, I can't say it enough on this podcast. My bedrock is most of the time people, they, they don't transcend their situation. Like I feel like Tom Brady, he's the greatest of all time, right? And he's proved that he could transcend the situation, all right? He won Super Bowls in New England, went to Tampa Bay, boom, won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, those guys I feel like transcend situations. But most of the time, your success is dictated on your situation, much Mm -hmm. much like life. Okay? Not saying that if you grew up in a certain situation, you can't pull yourself out by your bootstraps and make a way. I'm not saying that. But on average, it's hard. I mean, your situation dictates your success a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time, okay? And so I just look at the same thing as um, in sports. It's kind of the same, you know? So you so you want to go to a good team with a good organization, good GM, good structure. That's why, once again, I can't reiter- and reiterate this enough. Organizations win Super Bowls, not individuals. Mm -hmm. That's why most of the Super Bowls are held by four organizations, because those are the model organizations, right? Hopefully, Buffalo could get back to where we were winning like we were in the 80s and 90s, all right?
1: And when the Bills were winning back then, it was really architected by... Bill Polian, who is a Hall of Fame general manager. Right. And just this past week in The Athletic, which I love reading The Athletic, the Buffalo Bills were said to have probably the best front office in football. Well, the proof is in the pudding. They went to the AFC championship game. They've been to the playoffs three times in four years. Right. They went 13-3 and three this past season. Yep. You could have individual good players, but if the coaching staff sucks, the team's going to suck. You saw that with Cleveland. Yep. This past season, they were really good. Where were they when Freddie Kitchens was the coach? It was basically the same squad. They've got talent out of the wazoo on that team. In fact, I would say Cleveland is probably going to be looked at very seriously as a Super Bowl contender in this upcoming season with Kevin Stefanski as the head coach. If Freddie Kitchens was still... The was still a head coach, not a chance. If Sachi Brown was still their general manager, not a chance. But, you know, it's like you said, it's the same four organizations year after year. Now, going back to Mel Kuyper and the cottage industry that he has built, what they seldom account for when they're talking about the best available player, that is in a vacuum that has nothing to do with schematic fit Has nothing to do with how they interviewed when, because these teams, they talk to the players themselves. They talk to the coaches. They talk to the head coaches, the coaching staff. they, They talk to the equipment managers. They do their homework. And you may not know that, Hey, this guy has a real attitude problem. He might be, the best player available in the fourth round. But if he's somebody who nobody can stand to be around, that might not be the guy that you select midway through the draft. It might be a guy who they, they say, oh, you know what? He's really kind of soft. He is a player who's going to spend most of his time on the trainer's table. He's not going to practice hard. And that makes a difference. He may be able to get by in college because he's a superior athlete playing in a smaller conference. You put that guy in the NFL against guys that are just as good, if not better than him. And he wants to spend his time off the practice field. That's not going to cut it. And these right. are things that the, the draft Knicks can't possibly get their hands on the way NFL scouts can, because that is their job. They have staffs of people that are, are going to these schools and having these conversations.
0: Right. Yep. You hit the nail on the head, man. There's so many little things that, man, the information we're not privy to. And 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 this is a multi-billion dollar business. And when you go through this, you know, they, they interview the friends. They find out, guys, you hang around. What do they do? You know. they, they really? To, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man.
1: They t- t- know t- tell me do. more. About that process. Tell me about some of the things that you are aware of have been uncovered that have hurt or helped. Well,
0: once again, I don't want to talk about specifically my friend and his business, but I will speak in generalities. Like, they will interview your friends, they're going to interview your families, uh, representatives are going to find out. And, and, and this is the things you know, like, because they talk about it all the time. Like, if they go to school, they'll send people to school and just ask about you. He'll just be like, you know, it won't be people wearing Buffalo Bills uniform, uh, gear. It'll just be, all right, I'll pay such and such to go find out, you know, just kind of comb the campus and find out what this guy's really like, you know? And so I, it's very in depth process. Um, like a lot of it is like when you go to the combine on uh, pro days, how you look. Like you would think that mm-hmm. what difference do it make how I look? That is very important how you look. And do you take the game seriously? Do you like to party? Do you have a girlfriend? I would rather you have a girlfriend than be somebody who out there meandering, partying, trying to find girls. Like
1: all these things to take into account that people don't know. Hmm. Do you know of anybody specifically who was hurt by negative information? And of course, don't name names. <laughs> we don't want you getting sued.
0: Yeah, you, you, you know of people who was hurt by negative information. We could talk about that. Everybody knew what happened to Warren Sapp.
1: Well, sure. But I, I'm wondering if you like have acquaintances oh. that were in that position.
0: Uh, hmm. Yes. I will say that. Yeah. Guys who went higher, they would have got draft higher if their character wasn't in, in question. Yeah, I could say that.
1: That cool. I know of. And- do you know what it was about their character? Were they assholes? Were they potheads? Were they like they... they like to party. And if, they, and if they
0: wasn't partiers, they they would have went higher. Like mm. young, 21, 22, 23-year-olds, they don't understand how important that was. And I'm not throwing shade at these people because let me tell you, I would have been the same way coming out of college than what right. I am now. I'm a middle-aged, almost 50-year-old man. But when I was young, I just wanted to kick it and have fun, which I did, you know. And so now you giving multi-million, you're giving multi-million dollar contracts to these guys who grew up with, most of them grew up with nothing. So, yeah, how you handle money, That that that's a lot of it. Where well, you have success in the league. And look at Dwayne Haskins, hot wing Haskins. I mean, he got on the Pittsburgh Steelers team, but... I mean, you went from starting quarterback, top ten, top fifteen, picking a draft, to now you was out the league after two years, and then you had to yeah. get picked up. Because why? Because you want to party. You don't. You don't want to take the game serious. And I, once again, I don't know the guy. I don't want to. You're right. Let me just shut up because I might get sued, and I have nothing. So.
1: Yeah, Wait. well, you know, rumor has it, me living here in D.C., rumor has it that you could go to pretty much any club on any given night and there's a good chance you're going to see Dwayne Haskins there. Right, and that's why I call him
0: Hot Wing Haskins because, you remember, he like Lemon Pepper Lou. Lou got caught in the uh, <laughs> the Gentleman's Club in Atlanta. Talk about he's there for the Lemon Pepper wings, so they call him Lemon Pepper Lou, and so I monica minded- <laughs> <laughs> Haskins, hot wing Haskins. Cause he up here partying and yeah and all that yeah. He at the gentleman's club for the hot wings. <laughs> 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 but once again, man, I don't want to act like that. I mean, like I said, these these people are young and, and uh how you approach the game, man, is I can't reiterate that enough, man. It's if that enough that it's it's important how you approach the game, man. Are you gonna get your rest? Like do you get rest? Do you eat right? Do you just eat junk food? Do you got all your friends when you move to Minnesota, you going to bring 10 people with you and you always part, like all those things
1: matter. And oh, so man. You, if you bring a, a crew with you, that's probably a bad sign to the staff, right?
0: It could be. But because you, you can't look at it in a vacuum as many things. But, yeah, I can see how organization will look at
1: that. Yep. Well, okay, okay, good point that it could be a red flag depend, depending on the person. Right, because then now you can look at the
0: other side of the coin. What if this person used to have his friends around and then you move him to Minnesota or Marshawn Lynch comes to Buffalo and now he don't have his friends around. He's a spent his whole life in California. Now you moved him across the country to Buffalo, where he's never probably seen snow before, and he's out there by himself, no friends, no loved ones. That might affect his play, also.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess in in that case, you could a- end up feeling very isolated and depressed, and right. you know that's not the best way to to get the most out of a player either so and people you don't want to make a good point on both ends and people
0: don't want to hear that but all that matters especially when you're dealing with the small margin of all of you all are the best athletes in the world so it's the little things man do you get eight hours of sleep at night you know are you mm-hmm. once again are you out partying trying to find girls or are you married you got a girlfriend right there so you just come home and go home and watch Netflix with your girlfriend or are you always out partying and ha- trying to have fun, and you could dragging when it come to come time to practice? Are you taking care of your body? That's why people get hurt so much. Are you eating the right things? Are you investing in your body? Like LeBron James spends over a million dollars on his body a year, and that's oh. why he's he's past mid thirties and he's still one of the best players in the world. You know, but yeah. everybody else that came in the draft, two thousand dra- three draft class, are some most are out the league. You know uh-huh. th- those all the things, man. It's how you approach the game and how serious you are. Like Peyton also, is very serious about the game. He's all football, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's not like that.
1: And we, everybody, has joked about a process guy. Oh, that guy—he's—he's he's definitely a process guy. Um, that's kind of the euphemism that has come to the surface talking about players that we think Sean McDermott will like. And, you know, to a large degree, it's it's falling into place because they are looking for players of a certain character. And that is something that is definitely going to be part of the Bills draft strategy this year, as it has been every other year. They do not go after players with character issues. they They just don't. They look for guys that are going to be good teammates. And you know when that was done previously by this organization? Back in the late 80s and early 90s, mm-hmm. setting up that setting up that Super Bowl run. And here's the thing. Jim Kelly was an asshole. He was arrogant. He was, I mean, back in the day, that guy was just a jerk. And the stories that would circulate about him, were terrible. Nate Odoms, he used to get into fights. He used to like go out to bars and stuff, get into fights with people. Bruce Smith was like the most self-absorbed dude ever, but they all loved football, and they all turned out. Even though they had some bumps in the road, they turned out to be really good teammates too. Now, one of the reasons back in the day they let Nate Odoms go is because. Rumor had it that every time there was an issue off the field, Nate Odoms was somehow involved. Mm -hmm. I've heard that story in the past. I don't know how true it is, but you don't hear about the current Buffalo Bills getting in trouble off the field too often. And there's other organizations like the Bengals who seem to constantly have a flow of players that are getting arrested. They're accused of beating up their girlfriends, they uh, are getting sued by women all over the country for child support that they're not paying. And I kind of like that being a small community like Buffalo, you're not getting a lot of these off the field stories. And obviously the front office likes it that way. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to have character guys, man. But uh, I'm sure a lot of coaches will tell you you can't have a locker room full of choir boys. You need some guys that's going to do bad things too because they're going to bring a certain edge
1: to your team. So, you know. Like the Felicianos, right? Who mm-hmm. seems like he wants to uh, beat people silly on the field. Like your boy Richie Incognito. <laughs>
0: you know, he's
1: another one. You
0: know what I'm saying? Nice he so, my boy. Well, I'm just saying. I just use that as an acronym. I'm sorry. That's-
1: I I know you do, but I I just don't want to claim him <laughs> as mine.
0: I wish we still had him. He's still,
1: you know, he's still
0: doing good. I mean, after he left us, he still made Pro Bowls. So he's a good player. Yep. Yeah. But before we get ready to go, man, I want to tell a quick story about uh, what happened to me uh, this weekend, real quick. Yeah, so uh, Jalen has his first football game. He plays for the Chesterfield Falcons in the Central uh, Virginia Football League. You know, and they these guys, this is like the top for you know youth football. They got guys that m- multiple guys that went to the on to play Division One in the NFL coming out of this league, right? And so we played in this team two years ago, and then Jalen went to his uh, school team last year. Now we're back playing spring ball with them. So his first game was Saturday. And then so we saw this guy that I haven't seen in two years. He's a Buffalo fan, right? And now you know we're wearing our masks. So I was like, mm-hmm. like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, what's up? And I pulled my mask down like, man, what's good, man? How you doing? Now, this is a Buffalo fan. Now, let me give you a quick history. Two years ago, me and this dude used to sit and practice, sit at games all day and just talk Buffalo Bills, right? But I haven't seen him in two years because we left the team. Now, I'm seeing him again for the first time in two years. And so after the game, you know, we weren't sitting by each other. But so after the game, I'm like, what's going on, man? You remember me? He was like, yeah, yeah, I remember you, man. You the Buffalo Bills fan. He real dry. (laughs) He's real dry. So automatically, I'm like, you know, I'm bringing that energy. Like, man, this is everything we've been talking about, man. We were 13-3 and and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was a good season, man. But, you know, we need to fix that running game. And I'm like, what do you mean? So I'm getting mad. Like, I, I'm i getting mad. Like, I'm steady trying. Like, you got to match my energy. I ain't seen you in two years. Just imagine, just like, you know, the Thanos snap, everybody left for came back five years later. Imagine you being gone for two years and you coming back. And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, hey, we went to the playoffs, everything. You'll be excited, right? Like, when we see each other, you'll be excited. Yeah. He was dry. And I was just like, all right, man, it's good seeing you, man. And I just walked away. And I told my wife, I was so mad. I was like, I can't imagine the first thing you say to me. And I I guess it's really not funny to you because you all, just like I said, every day in practice, we just sit there and talk about Buffalo. Like I remember vividly all the conversations. We don't know if Josh Allen's the one. Hopefully he's the right guy. We broke it down just like me and you break it down. And now you see me two years later, we go to the AFC Championship. It should be love, hugs, and tears. Like this is everything we talked about. And the first thing you bring to me is we got to fix the running game. I was, I was beside myself, man.
1: I was highly disappointed. You know, as a pessimist, I get it because for me, the glass, as you know, it's always half empty. It's always what they don't have, not what they do have. Like I, I'm never able to relax and enjoy my team. Although this year I did. Uh, Even when they were getting beat down in the AFC championship game, I was still like, hey, this sucks. But, (laughs) dude, I just cannot complain about even one moment of the season except for maybe, you know, the KC and Tennessee games because you you always want your team to be at least be competitive, right? Right. Uh, But, yeah, uh, I've been trying to convince myself to enjoy things. And he obviously can't do it. Like, why would you focus on that? Like, yeah, but th- that running game. Yeah. But did you see Josh Allen, a player who <laughs> we didn't think would necessarily ever be more than a top, you know, 10 to 15 quarterback. Who's now top three. Did you not see him? Oh man.
0: And I, and like I was telling my wife, cause I was, I was telling her the whole story and I was just like, you would have thought that, he would at least fake it and match my energy. Like I felt like if you was a fly on the wall or out there, and we weren't inside, we was outside. But if you were watching me, you would see me all hype, ready, giving a bro hug, like celebrating. He was just like, "Yeah, whatever," and I was just like, "All right, man, I'm about to go. Don't worry about it. I ain't gonna bother you no more." So we're gonna see each other throughout the season. I'm just like, "All right, whatever. Like, yeah, you know." <laughs> so you would think that you would have matched my energy.
1: You know what I'm saying? And you have not only an uncanny amount of energy, but an unbelievable ability to pull energy out of other people. And I'm surprised it didn't get there. Especially talking about our Buffalo Bills. What the hell, man? Yeah, man. And like I said, I I
0: know that you're like, y'all probably like, man, no, he just didn't want to talk to you. And I get it. But once again, if you knew all the conversations me and this dude, and going back to what you said, like, I get it. You be a pessimist. But once again, I have no doubt my mind or you and our relationship, if I haven't seen you for two years, I'm sure you'll be like, big new pick me up and we're going to sit there. And we're going to cry it out. We're going to talk about all the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. We would talk <laughs> about it right there. Like all the times we were at the McFadden's all the times that we were losing all the times we like, we went to uh, Jared's house. our a uh, beloved leader. We was at his house that draft day eating fried Oreos. And then the draft <laughs> piece came in. You remember that? And we would, hey. and we drafted Aaron Mabin. When uh, Clay Matthews and all of them was still on the board, and I I was so mad, I was so pissed. I'm like, Aaron, freaking maybe. I Back knew that, that wasn't the gonna obvious work
1: out. pick was Clay Matthews or uh, Brian Arakpo.
0: Yep, mm-hmm. and Brian Arakpo was still there. You're right, I forgot about him, and it's like all those things, dude. Like all those times. So now it's like, man, we made it to the AFC Championship. We're competitive. People are talking about us wonderfully, like we're the franchise. All this positive content, and you're like, "Oh yeah, we gotta fix the running game." Like that's not the first thing you're gonna say to me, dude. Like we're gonna probably cry first, you know, before you're we probably get to not
1: that. gonna go out of your way to talk to him in the future, are you? Uh
0: no. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna give him the same energy because first of all, I felt a fit.
1: Well, sure. Let me, he was acting like he didn't care about seeing you. And yeah, you thought Yeah. You that,
0: and that's 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 most of it. You know what I'm saying? That's most of it. Because I get put off by once again, a lot of times when I visit St. Louis. Right. And people are like big new. What's up? And I don't be remembering who they are. They look different. I ain't seen them in 20 years, you know, so, but I still give them that energy until I figure out who they are. You see what I'm saying? And then once I figure out who they are, i am be like, oh, yeah, what's up? Like, i am like, okay, I remember now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to make you feel – I'm not going to let you feel like that I don't know who you are and be dry when you're giving me energy. If you're giving me energy, I'm going to give you the same thing. But that's just me, though. I understand everybody ain't like me. But, no, when I see them, I'm like, oh, what's up? Oh, okay. Keep it pushing. Say hello to his lovely wife. Okay, yeah, all right, good seeing you. Yeah. So maybe, and I might take a person, maybe he just ain't rocking with me no more. I don't know. But it was just, it was weird. And I felt like if you was looking at me, like, I just, and plus, I don't like being embarrassed. So if you was looking at it, you'd probably be over the corner
1: laughing. Like, you'd be bugging up, (laughs) If it happened to you, yeah, it would. You know what I'm saying? So I felt and, like. And I would talk about it on uh, here on the podcast and be like, yeah, you should have seen new. He made such a fool of himself. He's like, yeah, let me introduce you to this friend of mine. And the guy was like, I don't know you. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, all right, that's cool. All right, take her." So yeah, I'm going to
1: be real dry next time. So Love it. <laughs> Let's wrap up, my buddy. Um, Big Newt, you got a song for us? R.I.P. to DMX. We
0: lost one of the best rappers all time this past weekend. So R.I.P. to him and his family. Rest easy, DMX. Hey,
1: hey, hey.